0: Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. The year 2020 has been designated as the Year of the Bible. The World Evangelical Alliance has been leading that effort in partnership with a number of Christian organizations and leaders. Joshua Matthew of the Alliance has some insight coming up. Then you'll meet William Morris, someone who experienced God-ordained relationships in his life with legendary musicians, illustrating what a life of obedience and sensitivity to the Holy Spirit looks like. And children's author M.J. Thomas visited with me at the 2019 Christian Product Expo International Event in Tennessee to share about a series of books in which kids time travel to various points in biblical history. Also coming up on this edition of The Intersection, From Newsboys United and Zealand Worship, it's Phil Joel, who discussed his book, which features powerful imagery about growth and direction in Christ. You'll be hearing some comments from him. Finally, Chris Edmonds is a pastor in Maryville, Tennessee, and a few years back, he began to make some discoveries about his father, who served in World War II and was captured during the Battle of the Bulge and held prisoner for a time. You'll get a glimpse of this man's legacy of faith and his devotion to God, his country, and his fellow soldiers through the eyes of his son. That's coming up on this edition of The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Joshua Matthew is U.S. Bible Engagement Advocate for the World Evangelical Alliance and he shared with me recently about activities surrounding the Year of the Bible during the year 2020, for which the WEA is providing leadership in partnership with a variety of Christian organizations and leaders. Here now is Joshua Matthew.
1: There's five ways that, you know, we have encouraged people to, uh, to participate in the Year of the Bible. Now, they, they pray, hear, read, share, and do. And, you know, it's so important for us to to pray and connect and, and take ownership of the year of the Bible, really believe that God's going to have a, a move right across the world. Um, we want to listen to the Bible and listen to what people are saying about it. Um, maybe people can attend a public reading of Scripture uh, in their city or their town or their church, um, read the Bible. And, you know, obviously, like the core of what we want to do uh, with the Year of the Bible is have people uh, read and engage with the Bible more than ever. And that's both, you know, by themselves individually and in community. Um, and then share it with others. You know, we want people to to be able to share the gift of the Word of God to maybe their neighbor or their friends, and then also to people who've never received access uh, to the Bible before. So partnering with uh, organizations that are organizing that. And then also do, and you know, what Bob, we, uh, we don't just read the Word of God. Don't just read the, the, the Bible to read some, page, read some pages in a book um, or some words on pages. Uh, we do it so that we can engage with the Word and we can apply what it says in our lives and see it transform our day-to-day lives.
0: I understand that you have developed some resources to help people to become more involved and to participate in the year of the Bible. Tell me about some of those resources, if you would.
1: Yeah, we are so excited um, to, to really equip and assist people in increasing their Bible engagement and inke- increasing their, uh, their levels of understanding of the Bible. So, you know, we've got a, a load of uh, Bible reading plans. And, you know, what? If, if there's anyone uh, listening that has not read the Bible yet from cover to cover, then 2020 is your year, and we want to assist you with that. Um, as well as that we've got Together 2020, which is a global Bible reading community. And as we read the Bible together, uh, we can engage with certain passages of the Bible uh, with other people in c- communication and conversation right around the world. And then we've also got courses and uh, and things that people can connect with and understand more about, about the Bible. We're actually developing one, um, which is, providing a biblical understanding of suffering and um and you know connect it in with some mental health tools and and um and teachings and hopefully people you know people who are dealing with uh trauma or uh, or crises can go through this and be better equipped to understand what they're going through through the word of God.
0: And Josh, I think that's so very important that people are equipped to deal with mental health issues. There's been quite a bit of discussion. There have been some some disturbing trends that have been reported. And of course, some, some instances where people have struggled with mental health issues, high profile people. And as I understand it, you've had the opportunity to collaborate with government officials, and to to attempt to get people more aware. After all, people, when they are dealing with some of these mental issues, or all these mental issues, I should say, the Bible offers hope and offers principles by which someone can deal with these issues that they're facing. So elaborate on the type of material that you're going to be having specifically dealing with mental health
1: yeah definitely so what we've got is um is you know we're developing and we'll be releasing this course next year and um and basically, as you mentioned you know we've we've uh, collaborated with some of the experts in um, you know the the health and human services as well as you know a number of different expert experts psychology experts from around the world um, and obviously you know mental health is um has really come to the forefront in our nation as well as, you know, the nations around the world. And, um, and a lot of people are dealing and struggling with some certain men- mental health issues. Um, we've seen huge rises in, uh, in suicides and um, as well as, you know, like depression and anxiety. And we believe that the church can provide an answer. We believe that the church has uh, the expertise and the best teaching material in the world from the Bible. Um, so we want to put that in people's hands and we're developing courses um, anywhere from like three day long courses to six weeks courses so that people can understand, have a better, better understanding and grasp of, uh, of what it means to go through crises Um, what happens in suffering, and where is God in the midst of it.
0: Joshua Matthew of the World Evangelical Alliance here on The Intersection. You can find out more through the website yearofthebible.com and weabibleengagement.org. Next up, it's William Morris. He is someone who experienced divine appointments with a number of famous musicians in our conversation, he shared about some of his stories related to his memoir called This Magic Moment, My Journey of Faith, Friends, and the Father's Love. Here now is William Morris.
2: Prentice and Bill Pinckney and I had a, a moment of prayer over in Vicksburg, Mississippi that led to the production of that CD that I brought the Williams Brothers, five-time Grammy nominees now. They've actually sung in the White House and all, and they did in-studio production for us of the the Drifters um, CDs.
0: There were two gospel CDs that you produced for the original Drifters. You met Bill Pinckney through Prentice Barnes. I want you to elaborate just a bit about how you saw God really put this or put these gospel albums together.
2: All right, let me uh, just issue a little small correction. I met Bill Pinkney backstage at Ole Miss in 1963.
0: Oh,
3: okay, okay.
2: And then we we got reconnected in 1985 when uh, the Drifters were performing here, and I didn't know which set of them because they've been permutations throughout <laughs> the years. That's a whole other yep, story yep. in itself. But anyway, uh, at intermission, I went to see Bill, and, and he remembered me and all, and and I said uh, I started telling him about Prentice, and he said, "You know Prentice Barnes?" I said, "Well, we're very close friends." He said would you take me to see him? I said, I'll bring Prentice to see you. I, I'll get him. And uh, he said, could we do that tomorrow? I said, yes. Uh, so I remember when Bill saw Prentice, and uh, you remember Prentice's physical condition was not exactly superb. He's, I mean, he was much better in many ways, but he still had the, the arm he had lost, uh, the left arm from the elbow down, and had to wear prosthesis for that. And I remember Bill, when he saw Prentice, when I brought him to the I think it's Admiral Benbow Inn or something that down by the Coliseum. He, he looked at Prentice, and I could just see he was just holding back the tears. He said, "Oh, Prentice, brother, I missed you so much." And see, then they began to talk. Once we got to his room, they got they began talking about old times at the Apollo Theater, when uh, the Drifters and the Moonglows were the top uh, hits at that time, and. And they were talking about James Brown just being a fill-in act. And I, I listened to them for three hours uh, talking about the specifics of all those days. And I I thought, Lord, why didn't I have my, rec- my recorder here? And I thought, if you ever give me another chance, I'm going to take it. And he did. And that was ten years later in Vicksburg. And we ended up in Bill's motel room there. It got so spiritual, I cut off the recorder. I was recording it then, and uh, and and then we began praying. And then I knew, I felt something happening right then. And I knew, I, I didn't know what it would be. We don't always know, but I knew God had, was instructing me to something. And about oh, a couple of months later, I got a call from an insurance uh, group that wanted me to line up... Uh, a band for their uh, convention coming up. And so I said, what about the drifters? And he said, yeah. So uh, I sent him a copy of a tape they had done. It was that night they had performed in Vicksburg. And the uh, Bill always closed his shows. He'd say, folks, you know, God has been so good to me. Would you mind if I close his show with a gospel number? Mm. And he would do it. And when he began Doing that gospel number as I was driving the office listening to that tape, tears started coming down my cheeks. And so many times when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, and I say us, oh, I think other people are this way too, tears will form up in my eyes. So I said, Okay, what is it, Lord? I know you're up to something. So I got to the office and called Bill. I said, Bill, yeah, Bill, what's going on, man? I said, Well, I said, I was listening to that tape. Yeah? I said, well, look, Bill, uh, you ever thought about doing a gospel seat? He said, no, Bill, I, I really hadn't. I said, well, I want you to be praying about it, and I'll do the same. And if you get that gig at the insurance conference, well, we'll talk about I'll put you in touch with people who can really do it for you. So that's the way that came about.
0: William Morris here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to the website williammorrisauthor.com. The intersection continues now with children's author MJ Thomas at the 2019 Christian Product Expo International event in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. He talked with me about the background and concept of his series The Secret of the Hidden Scrolls, including book 6, The Lion's Roar, and the Christmas installment, book 7, The King is Born. Here now is MJ Thomas.
3: The Secret of Hidden Scrolls, it's a uh, book series, it's a time travel adventure series that helps kids discover the Bible. And uh, right now, there are six books out in the series, and each of them cover a different moment of Bible history. Hmm. And it takes the kids right back into that story so they can really experience it.
0: So tell me what it is that stimulated your interest in writing children's books.
3: Well, it actually started with a book report. Uh, My (laughs) son- uh, It all started with a book report. That's right. I like that. My son, Peter, uh, at the time was nine years old, and he had a book report. He goes to a Christian school and I looked at the list of books that he had to choose from, and I really couldn't find one. I was really looking for one, you know, as a Christian, I wanted something that would help him grow in faith, uh, learn about God, learn about the Bible, and I just could not find that on that list. Uh, so I decided to go to Barnes and Noble to see if there's anything there. Um, you know, there was tons of books for that age, you know, books about uh, magic, tree houses, and all kind of uh, box car kids and things like that, but I just yep. couldn't find something that would do what I was wanting to do. And so I went home and told him, and he said, well, why don't you write one? And I was why like... Why not? It's hard to argue with that logic. <laughs> so so I did. I, I wrote one for him, and uh, it just kind of went from there. Did he write the book report on the book that you wrote? He did. Okay. He ended up doing that. And, wow. Uh, and, he got an A. So I guess it, it, it all turned out pretty well. Yeah, I can't beat that. So how long did he have to wait in order to to uh, do the report? Well, not long because, I, you know, I, I wrote it out, you know, and it was in, like, word manuscript form. And so he was able to read it before it ever got published or put out there. And so uh, he was able to go by by that. and yep. uh, And so from there... Uh, I read it to his class. I read it to several other classes, and then they wanted to know when the book, next book was going to come. Oh boy! And I was like, "Next book?" I didn't even think about a next book. And so, there's another
0: book report due next next semester, right? So I had to get it done. And so, uh,
3: so I did another one and read that to them. And from that point, uh, it was doing or connecting with the kids the way I wanted it to. And from that point, I figured out, okay, I've got to take this a little bigger. And so I did some self-publishing at that point. And from that point, it got picked up by an agent and a publisher and uh, just kind of went on from there.
0: And it's called The Secret of the Hidden Scrolls. Now, as, as I'm counting here, there are six yes, there, in the series. Yes, there
3: are six of them out currently. Uh, the seventh one uh, comes out October 15th. Wow. And so that one is a, is the Christmas story. So it's about the birth Very of Jesus. Life. So it's uh we're getting it out for the Christmas season. So take us back to that
0: first book. What's the premise? What's the setup? How did you create the characters? And tell me just a bit about the plot. Yeah, it, that's a multi part question. There. Yeah. But, well,
3: let's let's dissect it. You okay, okay. yeah, uh, have
0: diagram that sentence, please. Right.
3: <laughs> it's about a brother and sister and their dog named Hank, and uh, they discover these ancient scrolls. And they find out when they open the scrolls, they travel back in time into that Bible story. And there's also a secret in each of the scrolls and they have to solve it in time or they're going to be stuck in the past forever. So book one called the beginning and it starts at the beginning. So they go through the days of creation. So they find themselves whisked back in time into the days of creation. So they have to go through each one and deal with, you know, what's not there yet or what's there. How do they deal with the animals? That sort of thing.
0: Yeah. And, um and so what's the, with respect to what you wanted to teach through, yes. through that particular book and the subsequent books, what's, what sort of
3: lessons did you want to bring out? Well, the first one, it um, you know, was about creation. I wanted them to get the knowledge that God created everything. I mean, because now kids, depending on where they're being educated or, or who they're hanging around, they're gonna hear that God yeah. didn't create everything. So I wanted them to really be able to step into that world of creation and kind of experience that happening and see that happening, you know, through the characters of the book and get a good grasp of the concept and the truth that God created everything.
0: MJ Thomas here on The Intersection. You can learn more by going to the website scrolls.com. Well, this is The Intersection podcast, a production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center, marked Meeting House On Demand. That's the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection. Plus, you can subscribe to The Intersection through that homepage. You can find it via iTunes as well as through The Media Center. Also, there are two blogs accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House program. Plus, you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page, and there's a link to video content. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to faithradio.org and scroll over the word programming on the homepage. Conversations from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app, as well as a variety of podcast platforms. Learn more when you visit the Meeting House homepage. Well, continuing now with the Intersection podcast, it's member of Newsboys United and founder of Zealand Worship, Phil Joel. He talked with me about the content of his book, Redwoods and Whales: Becoming Who You Actually Are, which focuses on spiritual growth in God's direction. From that conversation, this is Phil Joel. Now,
4: I went to walk around a whole bunch of rocks, and before I, I knew it, I, I realized these are not rocks. This is a whale on the beach,
1: hmm. and
4: in front of me, and um uh it had died it had gotten you know washed up onto the beach there gotten stuck there and you know breathing shallow and dying slowly and um it died there on the beach and it was it was kind of a profound experience just it's not an everyday thing and these these whales they migrate you know from from Alaska down to Mexico uh but something sometimes what happens with these guys especially the young ones and this whale was a teenager um it had gotten distracted something had caught its eye this is what happens to these 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 whales something will get them off course and before they know it they get a little disoriented they get confused they end up getting in the wrong direction end up on the beach you know and breathing shallow and stuck and and, um, and it's not a good situation and so you know there's a metaphor a strong metaphor there for for, for a lot of us and how we find ourselves Unsure of where we are, we're stuck. We're not sure of what to do next, um, and we're not even sure how we got there. Um, so anyway, there's a metaphor there that I uh, that I, I could I saw, and I felt the Lord sort of showing me immediately. And then the next day, I was in the redwoods, and amongst these beautiful trees with their roots running deep and just growing tall with one another, you know, providing shade for me, and it was just. A, another metaphor, really a biblical metaphor of how God sort of says, look, this is this is what I have for you. You know, it's it's Psalm 1, it's Jeremiah 17 that talks about the, the man, the blessed is the man who um, who trusts in the Lord, who, whose hope is in him, because he'll be like a tree planted by the river with his roots running deep. You know, when the heat comes, he won't be afraid, but rather he'll, his leaves will get greener and he'll bear much fruit. And that's God's plan. You know, that's his plan, His his promise for us. If we trust him, if we walk with him, so I yeah, I felt these two really powerful metaphors in, in the in that in the, I felt the Lord showing me and I, I felt to write these two things down. And so I did, I wrote them down over the course of the next few weeks and then
0: I just kind of kept writing and, and adding to it, and before I knew it, I'd written a book. For those that might be in that position of being stuck today and, sure. and kind of wondering aimlessly and not quite sure what to do next, what what would you no offer? Doubt. No
4: doubt. Well, I think, it, I mean, sometimes it takes a little bit of looking back. and you, know, you know, what happened here? What How did I get to this place? And maybe I ended up in this place um, because I was looking for something that and uh, that maybe i'm meant to have but i'm looking in the wrong places i've been looking in the wrong places i mean the reality is we all want to be seen we all want to be understood and we all want to be loved that's that's just innate it's in all of us and god's wanting to provide that he wants us to know hey i <laughs> i see you i get you quirks in awe and I really like what I see. I made you, you're made in my image. I fearfully, wonderfully made it. The Bible talks about how we were knit together and, and he, he thinks we're fantastic. Um, but here's the thing, you know, that, that desire to be seen, understood and loved. We look for those things in oftentimes in the wrong places. We look to be seen. And, um, and there are a lot of things out there in culture that are saying, Hey, you know, you do this, you'll be seen you'll be you'll be your existence will will be significant, you'll be validated um and those things just lead us down a dark path they do they don't lead to anything good that will truly satisfy it may give us a hit in the moment, um, but it won't suffice, and it won't lead us to to peace and um so it's really also about getting to understand and relooking at who God is, what is his character. Does he like us? Does he really like us? Or is he a grump? Is he angry? Is he up there with his arms folded looking down on us with dis- disdain? That's not the case. But honestly, a lot of us walk around feeling like, you know what? You know, we're just not worthy of anything. We're just garbage. And you know, God just can't stand us. And you know why, what can I do? You know? and, and, and we've got our heads down. He's saying, no, lift your head. Look, look at me. I know who I am. I need you to know who I am because it'll change everything. I'm good. I'm a good father, you know. With his zeal, and we we covered that song. I'm a yes, really good did. dad. I know you, yep. you my kids, and I know what I have for you. Yeah, I mean, it starts. You know, I think we need to stop and take stock of where we are. Genesis three nine talks about that, where God says, "Hey, Adam, where are you?" You know, and and that's for all of us at different points. We have to stop and take stock of where we are, and then make moves in the right direction if we're going in the wrong direction. And um, He will direct our paths, but we have to stop sometimes and and listen clear the clutter and start to listen and then make moves in the direction that that he leads us into
0: phil joel here on the intersection his website address is philjoel.com. finally on this edition of the intersection podcast it's the senior pastor of piney grove baptist church in maryville tennessee chris edmonds who shared elements of the inspiring story of his father a world war ii veteran who was imprisoned during his time of service Chris Edmonds has written the book No Surrender, A Father, a Son, and an Extraordinary Act of Heroism that continues to live on today. He serves as CEO of Roddy's Code, LLC, and the Roddy Edmonds Foundation. This is Chris Edmonds now. The first link that
5: came up was an article in the New York Times. The article was entitled Richard Nixon's Search for New York Home. So it was looking back in 1980 when the president had stepped down uh, for the president, he was wanting to move to New York City. Uh, unfortunately, none of them, the residents in New York wanted him to be their neighbor, and so they blackballed him. They, they wouldn't. They didn't want him to be a part of their their network. So, but there was a man named Lester Tanner who was an attorney there. Who felt sorry for the president and also had a sense of doing what was right. Well, it just so happened that Lester. Was in the was, was one of Dad's uh, sergeants in his unit and stood next to Dad when uh, Dad defied the Nazis uh, to save more than 200 Jewish Americans. So Lester was one of those Jewish soldiers that Dad saved. So in the article he had, he had said for the very first time he told me he'd thought about it all of his life, but he for the first time he actually voiced it and he told that editor had it not been for the bravery and his master sergeant, Ronnie Roddy Um, He would have not met the pres. He wouldn't have met the president. So when I read that, I was done, and I said I really got to find out what because I knew that at that point Dad had done something to save Lester's life, but I didn't know what. And <laughs> ultimately, he saved I like, said two hundred Jewish men, and then later uh, in another act of defiance, he ended up saving all of them. The men uh, who we were in the camp with him, nearly thirteen hundred American GIs,
3: know mm.
5: say, later in the war. So uh, my journey's been—it's kind of—it's kind of like a Hollywood script of the most, to be honest with you. It's, but it's all true. I think God has revealed it for such a time that we're living in.
0: What would you want people to take away or to learn about God as a result of reading this book? No surrender.
5: God answers prayer. Obviously, God is good, and uh, my dad firmly believed that. The the men that I've met in later years, in their late 80s and 90s, uh, they've all talked about Dad's faith, how sincere and real it was. So God is real, and Dad believed that. He believed that God was good. He also believed that because of that, we needed to be good to each other, and that's the way Dad lived. Dad loved life. These men that I've met love life, and, love. and we, we should we should enjoy life. Life isn't it; it's precious, you know, we're all fearfully and wonderfully wonderful The Second thing is, is, that we should express love. Um, God is a God of love. He gets a bad rap a lot, but he he, he is a God of unbounding an love, and we should express that love to others, regardless of who they are and regardless of circumstances. And then finally. Uh, should embrace the Lord above. Uh, the Lord is close to us. He's involved in our lives. He knew exactly what was going on in the um, uh, end. He, he knows. He knew exactly what he wanted to reveal the story of uh, in, in twenty thirteen. So that it could, could be talking about it today. Um, so I, I just encourage everyone to live their ordinary lives uh, because I believe in ordinary lives. Live well is extraordinary. short The true heroes are, are not the, the comic book characters in and people we see in blockbuster movies, but it's the ordinary people every day. They do what is right for others. And they do it autonomously, they do it generously, and they do it faithfully, each and every day.
0: Chris Edmonds here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to the website nosurrenderbook.com. Well, you are listening to The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more by going to the programming section at faithradio.org or by visiting meetinghouseonline.info. At that homepage, you'll find a link to The Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on The Intersection. The Intersection podcast can also be found through the Media Center as well as iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House, and the other is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. Plus, you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page, and there's a link to video content, including recently added content from the 2019 Christian Product Expo International in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Content for the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app. You can learn more when you visit faithradio.org. And the Meeting House homepage has information on the podcast platforms through which you can access content from the Meeting House. Well, thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.